and welcome to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. I'm Lisa Fortier, the new editor-in-chief of the AVMA Journals, and I'm joined today by co-host and social media editor for the AVMA Journals, Dr. Sarah Wright. We are bringing you a special episode with our guest, Dr. Boaz Arzi, from the Department of Surgical and Radiological Sciences and the Veterinary Institute for Regenerative Cures at the School of Veterinary Medicine at the University of California, Davis. We're going to talk about his HAVR Currents in One Health manuscript, the oral maxillofacial region, as a model for a One Health approach in regenerative medicine. Dr. Arzi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so Great. much for the opportunity. Let's dive right in. You were the first Currents in One Health author for HAVR. What does One Medicine mean to you and your program? So, uh, you know, this is something that I've been thinking about um, quite some time because uh, you know, one health, one medicine is something that change forms and shapes um, periodically. But in the strict sense, to me, uh, one health or one medicine means that species uh, working on this planet share multiple facets of health challenges. And on that context, the knowledge derived from our work, uh, both in human and veterinary medical field, can inform innovative biomedical research, clinical trials and practice. Um, but specifically to our program, that means that building an enthusiastic collaborative network uh, that will harness the valuable experience we get here from the data that we get from our uh, regenerative medicine, tissue engineering work with our patients. And when I mean patients, I mean naturally occurring animal models. These are not induced models. And this can inform and yield more effective, clinically relevant, uh, rapid translation of uh, our discoveries. Uh, to advance both veterinary and human uh, medical fields. Wow, that's fascinating. What were the clinical challenges that led your group down this path? Do you remember any specific cases? Yeah, so, you know, when you spend enough time in the field of veterinary medicine and also interact with our human MDs, medical colleagues, um, both in research group, uh, in conferences, you may even be yourself uh, a patient or be affected by a disease or family member of yours may suffer from disease, uh, you do experience um, actually very rapidly that for some disease, you don't really have suitable solution Um, or that the current solution uh, fails short of your expectation or in other words, you can improve on the situation. Um, When you become a specialist, focusing in even a more narrow field, but try to get much better at it, uh, this can be frustrating. Um, But to me, as a clinician scientist, uh, the training in regenerative medicine, tissue engineering, this is actually uh, challenging. It's it's also intriguing. Um, So the clinical challenges that get our attention are those that typically don't have those suitable solutions that, you know, you think that you can improve on the situation. Um, The second part of your question was, if if I remember a specific case, and there are actually several. Um, I will start when I was a resident. You now I experienced treating cats that have stomatitis, which is chronic oral inflammatory disease, super painful. Um, the treatment modality is extracting all of their teeth, and then you hope that it will work. Um, what I found out, and you know, I really am advocating for clinicians to work a lot with the patient and their owner, the client. Uh, when you take a case like this, you establish a hope between you, the clinician, and the patient and the owner. So we all share this hope, but this hope in about 30 or 40% of the cases turn into disappointment. 
And then you always say, okay, now what? What, what am I doing now? So the owner went through extent, the patient lost all of the teeth, and now the cat is not responsive. Um, you know, you can have your philosophical debate if we do the right thing or not, um, but it's, it's a challenge. So I'm glad to say that for think, you know, specifically on this disease, and we wrote it in the article in the past 10 years, actually 11 years now, we have made serious tries to fighting or figuring out <clears throat> a lot about this disease, how to address it, especially those cases that fail uh, with stem cell therapy, for example. So there is, you know, numerous cases that I remember that, you know, kind of intrigued me that I, I can't believe we cannot do something better for them. That is one thing. The other thing that we also discuss in the article is the jaw reconstruction with bone morphogenetic proteins. And I can tell you that I remember most of these patients, especially the ones that had severe injuries, lost most of the jaw. And um, at, at that time, along you know, many years ago, we didn't have this technology. Now we do on a regular basis, um, you know, using bone morphogenetic protein to reconstruct the jaw. Um, so these patients are now on a day-by-day -day basis uh, experiencing this advancement that we've made throughout the years. Uh, and now this technology is available to them. That's very interesting. Thank you. Yeah, I can. The very best studies always come from our passion to treat our patients better. And you've made huge strides. So congratulations. Thank you. While we stick on the subject of One Health, what are your future ideas, specifically in the area of regenerative medicine, how you will integrate One Health? Okay, so <clears throat> we always try to think outside the box, how we can uh, um, make the translation um, more effective, uh, more intriguing, and also more uh, you know, collaborative. So right now, in, at least in Davis, we're working on uh, the future of, of our um, institution, the Veterinary Institute for Regenerative Cures, thinking how we can uh, bring it more close to the, you know, to the translation phase. Um, and the idea, the major idea is to integrate our teams with our counterparts in the medical school. Um, it's, it's ambitious, ambitious uh, initiative, but it's doable. Um, what we also do is work in a structure of disease teams. Uh, so for each study, what we're doing, we also have uh, medical doctors, uh, experts, um, but not only experts from the medical field. You can have bioengineers, you can have chem chemists, statisticians, um, bioinformatics, uh, artificial intelligence, experts. You put them on, every person look, thinks in different direction. Uh, and at the end, you have a really nice strategic uh, perspective, different perspective, strategic team, and so forth. Um, so that is the second thing that we do. The third thing that we do is <clears throat> encourage our residents to, to do their PhD or postdoc in teams and labs in the medical school and biomedical engineering uh, outside the vet school so that their mindset and the, the way they think is it's much more broad. Um, and they are exposed to other experts. Um, and I can attest to this because that's what I've done. I've done my fellowship in biomedical engineering uh, outside the vet school. I worked on things that I did not, never thought that I'm gonna work on, but at the end, it all, it all got clear um, and kind of narrowed down what, what I'm doing um, and kind of opened my mind to it. So these are the three things, you know, in integrating our teams with the medical school uh, actually embedding us in the in uh, in these teams 
and making sure that the next generation is is in is trained appropriately in a more broad uh, disease teams and, uh, and and technologies yeah that's really wonderful it's diversity in approach and opinion always brings the yeah. best final results absolutely you're way down the spectrum of building this amazing program and adding on to success if you were to advise a clinician scientist today who's just starting what one or two take home messages would you say here's the my life lessons on how to be successful in developing a program like this. Right. So, you know, to be successful in our field, you need to be a little bit, uh, you know, a little scratch in the brain, but you also have to be like super dedicated to it. Um, and, uh, but if I have to, you know, find points that will help people, the first thing that I will say is get really get outside of your comfort zone. You're not going to make any progress in your comfort zone. Um, obtain education training outside the vet school, preferably in labs and teams that are doing work in the, your field of interest, but don't narrow it to your field of interest. It, it's not a must. Um, I did not start with something that profound me interest. Well, I did something that interests me, but also start looking at other things that, you know, picked my uh, my thoughts, but but did not necessarily was my my interest. Tissue engineering and regenerative medicine, those are fields that foster creative thinking, to my opinion, uh, and a can-do attitude. And this is one of the biggest things I took for my, for my training. Think outside the box, think creatively, even if it looks, wow, you know, who is going to do something like that? Well, there are people that eventually will do it. Uh, you, you need to be part of them. Um, keep focus on your work. Because uh, there will be a lot of ups and downs, a lot of distractions, a lot of background noise. Um, and the background noise is not only from the outside, it's also from your, your own head. Um, so keep focus and persevere um, because it's easy to get pulled in all directions and lose, lose the focus on your, on your goal, on your target. Um, don't be afraid to fail. That's a big one um, because it's going to happen anyway. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna fail. You're gonna fail a lot, uh, but the few points, few times that you will be successful, it's really worth it. Um, and and the last thing I would say, and that's especially uh, relevant these days, that people realize that work is not the only thing here. So the, make sure you have work-life balance. Um, I can tell you that at the beginning of my career, it wasn't really. Uh, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it, but I figure out that if I'm not exercising. If I'm not fostering my hobbies, I love to surf. If I don't do it, um, I go to really dark places. So in order to clear my mind and you know be happy, happy soul and so forth, I really have to balance the life and the work um, to, to, to come clean um, as much as possible to, to work. These this will be my points. Thank you. It sounds like there's really fascinating work being performed in the regenerative medicine landscape. What is the clinical take-home message from your work that you would like other veterinarians to know? The clinical take-home. Um, there are a few. Um, the first take-home message that I want to say is that, um, you know, there are a lot of things happening now in regenerative medicine, a um, lot of work, a lot of clinical trial, but much of what we're doing is still not available for wider clinical application. Um, but th these things are still sold, um, and you know. So, uh, first thing is make sure that what you're using is safe. And with that said, I do encourage veterinarians to learn more about the generative product that they're using, and make sure that there is supportive science behind it. 
And the other thing is for um, veterinarians that are involved in clinical research and clinical advancements, um, is that with regard to regenerative medicine, we made serious strides in advancement from Ben's literature to clinical trial. Um, and that people like us, the clinician scientists have really strategic role in forming and fostering this interdisciplinary, transdisciplinary collaboration. And the last thing is re related to, um, to funding. If we're not going to advocate for it, we're not gonna have it. So we need uh, clinician scientists and the public uh, to advocate for for serious funding for us from the governments and for you know for also internally uh, because all of our work is essentially dependent on it. That definitely makes sense. What is on the horizon in research in regenerative medicine as it relates to the oral maxillofacial region? What's on the horizon? So there are a few things in the pipeline. Um, in the craniofacial um, region. And the first thing is that um, we're working on fine tuning stem cell therapy uh, by enhancement of allogenic cells. These are the cells that we think will be more commercially relevant. Um, so enhancing them either with genetic and non-genetic approaches, nanoparticle and so forth. Um, initiate, initiating stem cell therapy early in the game. We don't have to, I don't think that we need to wait like we've done in the past 10 years until it's very chronic. And then we are biasing our population towards the really hardcore cases. We may have a better success rate uh, starting early. Um, we are studying now uh, interaction of stem cells with viral induced diseases. You know, it's a big, big these days with COVID and everything, but we do have several excellent models, especially in the, also in the craniofacial region, uh, like Calisi virus, um, and so how stem cells interact and what is the effect of stem cells on, as an antiviral agent. Um, we are approaching more extensive reconstruction uh, using bone morphogenetic protein, but also other technologies. And um, also working with exosomes and extracellular vesicles for immune-mediated diseases. So lots is going, lots going on right now. Yeah, thank you, Boaz. I, I I really I've been following your career, as you know, for a few decades, maybe a couple. I shouldn't <laughs> don't want to make it sound too old, um, yeah. but you know, it, what you did today, I think, was really take us through the inspiration, the clinical case as a resident, all the way through building this really amazing program. So, thank you, thank you for sharing your amazing life and veterinary clinician scientist story with us. Thank you. On a little more personal side, tell us the one thing that Boaz Arzi is never without. Dreams. Never without dreams. And my surfboard, but related to this uh, podcast is dreams. You can't make anything without them. Perfect. That's definitely really important to have dreams, especially in this field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Dr. Arzi. You can read Dr. Arzi's full manuscript and AJBR on our new journal's website. I'm Dr. Sarah Wright, joined by Dr. Lisa Fortier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode for the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. I would like to echo Sarah's words and thank Boaz again. And until next time, take care, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.